This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, it's Doug here. Before I send it to the episode, I want to tell you two things. Number one, thanks for everyone who has been subscribing and sending in questions. It's fantastic. We're going to be doing a mailbag episode soon, and we're actually going to have probably like one per month or so, maybe more than that, but we're doing one soon. So if you have any questions, please shoot us an email or ping us in some capacity. Let us know your question, and we'll give you a shout out whenever we do the mailbag. The other part is a little bit dumb and very self-centered. It is around a word that I used in the episode, and I wasn't sure of the the proper usage or definition. I thought I knew what it was, and I said, maybe we'll have the producer check it out, which is not true. I didn't think we were going to do that, but it turns out because I'm the producer, I did want to go back and check, so I would now be able to use a word more accurately. So I used nihilism or nihilistic. And I was using it in a way to say, hey, this is kind of a meaningless thing and it doesn't matter. And when I looked it up over here on Google, nihilism, the definition, it's a noun and it's the rejection of all religious and moral principles, comma, in the belief that life is meaningless. So I didn't use it in any sort of religious capacity, but more in a very isolated way that whatever the thing that I was talking about is meaningless. And when you go deeper into the philosophical meaning, which is really the context that I was using it, extreme skepticism, maintaining that nothing in the world has real existence and further doesn't really matter. So uh, obviously that's a kind of a dark outlook if you're very nihilistic, but in the specific context that I was using it, I think it works, and I just wanted to let everyone know that I used the word properly. That's about halfway through. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get to the show. Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. My name is Carl Jensen, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. So today we're going to talk about something I've, I read about a long time ago, but I haven't put to use in my life. And Doug, you might have to refresh my memory a little bit, but I remember reading I don't know if Tim Ferriss said this in a podcast or he said this in a book. I, I think it was maybe some experiment he was doing, but I think what he did, and again, please correct me, is he didn't allow himself to entertain negative thoughts or he didn't allow himself to complain for like a month, like the no complaining experiment or something like that. Doug, do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yep. And I think there's a podcast on it. You're right. And probably in one of his many books, 21 Day no complaint experiment. And if I remember right, 21 days is like the low end of when you can quote, develop a habit. I think there's further research that shows it's like 150 days or something like that. But 21, it gets you on a good start. I think the premise of this is to basically put a rubber band or some sort of a bracelet on that reminds you to not complain. One of the other constraints, and you can help me on this part, I think if you want to say something that's like a little more negative or you are about to complain, you reframe it in in a positive way. So maybe I would get frustrated with traffic. 
So maybe instead of saying, hey, that motherfucker in front of me is making me upset for some reason or behind me, wherever, traffic drives me crazy, right? I I feel tense just thinking about it again. But maybe I reframe it as I should leave earlier next time I'm making a trip. That way I won't be in a hurry, something like that. Does that ring a bell? Something to like reframe your complaint into a positive thing. Is that yeah, a it, piece? it does. And I'm glad you said this because I had that thought this morning. Actually, I, I got into my car and it, it was super cold. It was like negative one this morning. And I thought about complaining, but then I thought I should be so thankful that I have this car to actually get somewhere. And after like a couple minutes, this car will be producing heat. Plus this car has 193,000 miles on it and it's never had any issue. I changed the oil. It's just been great. So I've got this one little minor discomfort in my life, but so many reasons to be thankful for. And this idea for this show was yours. So I'm curious, you know, do you have, like what what drew you to it? Why are you thinking about not complaining? It it was me and it was because I was thinking about you, Doug. (laughs) Doug's a little bit- Which part? Yeah, go ahead and get it out. Let's do this. No, 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 that, that wouldn't be appropriate. No, no. So anyway, I consider myself to be more of a negative complaining person. And I've always, whenever I meet people, I always try to figure out what I can take and what I can learn from them because I want to be a better person and learn from them. And I've always seen Doug as more of a positive, less complaining person. The only thing I hear you complain about is complaining itself, right? Like you just complained about complaining like how the traffic might give you stress, but it wasn't actually the traffic. It was complaining about complaining. So I've wondered, Doug, how do you put yourself in this mindset? How do you get out of my mindset? Like I'm a natural complainer, a, a natural pessimist. How do you turn that around? Did, did this? Do you think this experiment will work? I think it will work. There's a couple observations that I have. Uh, number one, I think one of the big things is the people that you're around. So before we started recording, I told you I used to complain all the time and I was very negative. And I think there were, you know, there's two like main components and I'll say it's just a member of my family who when he or she tells a story, it's usually a form of a complaint and just bitching about something, something inconvenient, some bad thing to happen that day or that week. Those are, those are the stories that person thinks are interesting and that's what they lead with. And if you're around that all the time, you will potentially match their stories with your own negative story that you weren't thinking of because you're trying to have a conversation and not trying to one-up each other or a competition, but just like, oh, I had this other negative thing that similar happened to me once. And then you're automatically in a negative mindset. So that is bad. So if you're around people that complain all the time, that kind of sucks. The other portion was my work environment. So we would potentially be traveling. And there's plenty to complain about while you're traveling. Airport delays, dumb boss, dumb client, like all all these different sources to be pissed off. And if you're around like eight other people that all have their own little complaints, it's just like a toxic environment and you can't help but feel that negativity. And over time, I, I realized that and I remember hearing the the podcast and when I started to get into Tim Ferriss, his books and the podcast, 
I was like, oh, this is a really good idea. And I think just slowly over a couple of years, I never, you know, put a bracelet on or a rubber band around my wrist. I think if you complain, you're supposed to like snap it, like punish yourself. And just slowly over time, I had, you know, fewer negative thoughts, fewer things to complain about. And now I'm the fine specimen you see before you. (laughs) Very fine specimen. But- so, so that's sort of like the front end, but I, I worked on it for a while and, you know, my wife and I talked about, you know, trying it again. We never actually like put a rubber band on, but we were like, we're going to really try to not complain so much. And yeah, slowly over time, I, like I, I complain very rarely and it's usually, you know, just in uh, sort of a, a couple people that I'll complain to. And it's only if I sort of like hit hit some limit or maybe I had too much caffeine that day. That's another thing, you know, too much caffeine, a little irritable on edge. And I'll, I'll stop here because I talked a bunch and I think I only answered part of the question. No. So I have a follow-up question for you. So when trying this experiment, you can't help but encounter negative people throughout the day. Even if they are positive, you come to, uh, I guess one example is the news. I, I try to avoid that. Or I try to avoid news that I know will make me unhappy because there's nothing I can do about it. It's out of my control. But then other people will bring stuff up. Hey, this politician said this and fuck him and da-da-da-da-da. So what do you do? Like a friend who they might be positive, but they happen to be having a bad day and they come up and say something like that to you. What do you do with that thought that they just threw at you? Oh, that's that's a – I am not sure. I may just you know be polite and engage with a little – light back and forth, but I won't, I won't pour gas on the fire or fuel it in any way. Like I said before, when I had, you know, some family members telling negative anecdotes where they're just complaining or another favorite that I forgot about is like talking about how stupid other people are. Maybe it's slightly amusing, but if, if it's, um, if it's negative and basically talking down about other people, that's not a really great story. That's inherently negative because you're, you know, basically looking down on people. So I totally lost my train of thought, but I really just shut it down and and not engage and go further. Don't tell your own negative story or anything like that. Maybe just be polite. What do you think that would work or yeah. it depends on who it is? I, yeah, I think it does. It's hard to find a balance because sometimes I want to be preachy like I'm trying to think of of an example. Like right now, there might be a war in Europe, and which is terrible. It's going to be negative for a lot of people, but there's nothing we could do about it. So why let that thought bring you down? If there's some way we can make it better, maybe send some money or someone. Let's do that, and then let's put the thought out of our head. But that that's not going to work for everyone, and they might even accuse you of being a jerk. Like ah, you don't care about those people, or blah blah blah. So it's difficult. I think what you said. Not throwing gas on the fire is probably the main thing. Trying to be positive, maybe, because there's always, there's usually a positive in any story, even maybe that that negative one. Well, may, maybe it won't actually happen. The news is trumping this up to scare us, but maybe it will have a positive outcome and the world will be a, a better place after that. But yeah, it's difficult. And I think maybe the main way is just try not to engage with these people. And when I say people... I do mean in-person interactions, but I also mean them online, like engaging, getting into a fight with someone on Twitter or social media has never solved anyone for anything. It's extremely toxic. So just trying to 
keep yourself out of these situations and away from these people in the first place. And I even, that there's not many, but there's people who I could think of in my life that are probably good people, but they're, they're so negative and just focused on the news that I do try to avoid spending time with them at all. And if I have to, maybe trying to be proactive and steer the conversation so it doesn't go down the political rabbit hole or whatever they want to argue about that they read about in the news. But yeah, it's not easy. And I think that might be the single hardest part because you can control your own thoughts. You could shut them down. You can work on that, but you can't necessarily shut down other, I don't even want to say toxic humans because we just talked about not talking down on people, but people whose mind right might not be in the right place. I think we could talk about them, you know, they are bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they just need a little reframing or, you know, the inputs, like I think you're talking about people watching the news and I've observed that. In fact, I used to watch the news a ton and be really interested in politics. And then I realized that it didn't, like whatever I thought didn't matter and me telling people about it didn't matter. And uh, I guess it's kind of a nihilistic view. Is that the right usage where I'm just like, you know what, whatever I'm doing doesn't matter, at least like teetering on that. Am I using nihilistic properly? Uh, I can picture that word in my head, but I don't have a clue. All right. We're not going to have the producer fix it. So uh, people could let me know if I'm using that correctly or incorrectly. I'll look it up later and then feel like an idiot or very smart. But uh, basically, if those inputs that the negative people are taking in are negative and it's stressing them out and then they're releasing it to you, then like if they cut that off, it can be helpful. And I know a family member of mine also kind of stopped watching the news or at least not nearly as much. And then things are much better just in general. Now, I want to ask you, Carl, about Twitter. Um, I don't spend too much time on Twitter. I the last time I hopped over there, I was like, oh, cool. It's a, some good information. And then I ran across like some pointless debate between people about uh, something that it didn't matter. It was, it was even fire related, but I was like, this is just negative. They're going back and forth. They're not going to convince anyone. It's just whoever is on whatever side, they're just getting more entrenched in whatever they already think. So I'm curious, how much time do you spend on Twitter? Um, do you just keep up with friends or do you actually like scroll through and like look all the time? Uh, I spend half hour a day and it's to keep up with the stocks. And that's pretty much it. I, I actually used to engage people in fights, but that's never a good idea. I I do like a good debate, but never online. It has to be in person because there's a couple of reasons for that. People will say things to each other when they've got the barrier or the distance of social media. So they'll be nastier to each other. And there's nuance lost as well that they might say something where if they said it to you in person, it would come out completely different. So it's toxic. I, I like having a, a smart debate with someone in person that there's no emotions involved and there's no ego involved either because, I mean, that, that's what it all comes down to, right? Ego. Uh, people want to defend their corner or whatever, and I think they want to do that more on social media when they think the world might be watching them. But yeah, uh, Facebook, Twitter, do not engage in that kind of stuff. It, I had to learn that the hard way. What's the worst thing you've said to someone on Twitter? It sounds like you're like, oh man, you can say whatever you want. So what, yeah, what's the word? How dark did you get? No, I don't think I got that dark, <laughs> but it, it caused me anxiety. I think I was arguing with people about 
whether or not you should pay off your mortgage. And most people in the FI community, I believe, think it's a good idea to. I'm not. And, and someone who I know is a smart person, who is a good person, is like, well, do you think we're all just stupid that we haven't run the numbers ourselves? And I'm like, oh, geez, you know, this person seems a little hurt and I never wanted that to happen. I know they're a, a good, fundamentally smart person and neither of us are probably wrong. So this is just a toxic, toxic exercise. I've never gone more off the hook than that. Okay. Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, some of this stuff doesn't matter. I'll, I'm going to look up that thread. Is it still out there? It probably is, but it's from many years ago. I don't know if there's a good way to search on Twitter. It, it doesn't matter how long ago it was. We can still dig it up and hold you to it. Yeah, that's fine. No, no, I'm just kidding. No one looked that up. We were just kidding around here. All right. So we talked about the experiment and I, th I think it'll be interesting if you do it. So do you, are you going to do some form of this? Um, do you have ideas to get started or reshaping it so it, it fits exactly what you want to get out of it? I am. So at any time I have a negative thought come into my head, like I mentioned the one this morning about my uh, my car. Shout out to Mazda, by the way. The Mazda 5 is a great vehicle, even <laughs> though you discontinued it. Every time I have a negative thought, I want to intercept it and turn it into something positive. And at the same time, I'm going to ask you if I'm ever negative, like say, ah, hey, you told me to call you out. I'm calling you out right now. You're being negative because- I think we can be blinded too. There might be I, the big challenge will be it, having your mind be on all the time and being able to intercept those negative thoughts. So yeah, feel free to call me out, Doug. Okay, yeah, maybe we can do a whole episode where it's just uh, Doug airs grievances, uh, something like that. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I think you're going to do a great job, and if you need support in any way, let me know. And I, I hope you know what happens is just slowly over time, like your brain isn't generating those ideas. It, it skips over the negative part and just goes to the reframing, the positive part, or you just ignore it. Because I think I end up just ignoring a lot of stuff that are negative and it mostly seems to, to work okay. And I mean, like you said, just externally, I'm fairly upbeat, fairly positive. And I mean, I'm very lucky in a lot of ways. I mean, I've removed many negative things that were sources and that, that could help too. Um, if you see something where it's like, oh, I always, this is a weird physical example, but if you're always hitting your foot on the coffee table, like you can move the coffee table. Maybe you don't need a coffee table, but if you identify something where it's like, yeah, you know what? That person is always negative. Maybe I should figure out how to move that person to a spot where they're not going to hit my foot like that. Yeah. No, that's a great thought. Okay. Uh, one closing thought. I, I read a book. I think it was called Solving for Happy. And, and what he said is your brain will throw at you all kinds of thoughts, but you are not your brain. It's what you do with those thoughts that determines the person you are. And I think there's a lot of value to that in this context. And I have one more thing, and that is I, I wake up a lot in the middle of the night, say like 3 to 4 a.m., and then I'll start worrying about things for the next day or the next week, and it turns out my brain in the middle of the night is very bad at identifying things that are important and not important, and everything seems like a fucking emergency. So I like wake up stressed out, and then sometimes I can't fall back asleep, which that sucks. But 
I've gotten better at just realizing, hey, if I'm worrying at something at like three in the morning, chances are it's not a big deal or it's a very easy thing to take care of. And I'm curious, do you worry in the middle of the night, either you know falling asleep or waking up in the middle of the night or it wakes you up early or anything like that? Yeah, I do. And, and I read about this. I think we might've talked about this before, but there's one kind of stress fighting hormone, I think it's called cortisol that diminishes at night. And that's why that happens. And that's why people have night terrors. It, I've seen this with myself, like I'll wake up at in the middle of the night or can't fall asleep. And then the next morning, I'm, I remember worrying about that. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like that thing is so stupid. Why did my brain do it? But for me, knowing that there's a chemical reason for it helps me with it. Actually, I'm like, okay, this is just my brain is stupid between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. And anything it throws at me during that time should be discounted. I should not entertain those thoughts because that cortisol level is down and my brain isn't operating how it should be. Therefore, there is no reason to entertain this thought. I'll dismiss it if it comes up tomorrow. And it is important, then maybe I entertain it. Very good. Well, we'll check in on this experiment uh, maybe sometime in the next quarter, and then we'll we'll give everybody an update. What's going on at your blog, 1500 Days? Uh, not much, because I've been so busy. I posted about the Mad Scientist interview that we had. I had a really good idea for a post, and now I can't quite remember this. But some of the... It's interesting. Sometimes you get a good idea, and you can spit the thing out in half an hour. Other times it takes months to formulate the idea. And this is one that's going to take a little bit longer. And then did you publish the post from Carla and Robert? Yes, I did. Our sister podcast, uh, Pennies and Popcorn, Popcorn and Pennies. I always forget which one it is. Uh, Doug and I were on an episode of that. I'll link to that in the show notes. And Carla wrote a post about the different what's the word I'm looking for? The different varieties of phi, like coast phi and barista phi and all those. I added my own that I invented called fart phi. Okay, what's that one do? Uh, fart means, it's not what you think, Doug. Fart means fast in Swedish, so it means getting to phi as fast as you can, which is what I did, but I don't recommend. But you can read about that on the blog. I'll link to it in the show notes. Very good. And then I'll, I'll give a little um, plug for our email list milehighfi.club. There's a link wherever you're watching or listening to this. And over on the YouTube side, we're doing kind of some cool stuff. So number one, we're getting pretty close to a thousand subscribers. So we could use your support over there. And if you dig any of the videos or you just like us and want to do a favor, you can leave comments. So that helps. And the other thing that we've been doing is publishing clips, especially of interviews or only of interviews. So it's kind of nice if you want to maybe listen to JL Collins talk about something interesting, but you don't have an hour and 15 minutes to watch the full interview. You may check out the six minute little snippet. Maybe you could watch two or three. I mean, I'm not telling you, you have to watch all our videos, but it does help. And if you like them, just leave a comment, even if it's like, Hey, enjoyed the video or just a little thumbs up, all that kind of stuff helps. And if you want to subscribe over there, It'll boost our numbers up. And it's actually all just vanity because we're not planning on monetizing the channel with ads, uh, which we could talk about sometime in the future. But um, yeah, it'd be cool to hit the thousand, but we're not planning on monetizing uh, with ads because those are, those are kind of a joke. You're talking about those YouTube ads that interrupt you in the middle of the thing or mm-hmm. like mid-roll ads, is that what they call it? Or? 
That's right. Yeah. Mid-roll ads. So we're not going to do that. We'd much rather, you know, jump in the middle of one of our episodes and say, hey, this is brought to you by the Asparagus Council of California. Does your pee smell too clean? We got the, we got the perfect thing for you. Something like that. Which I think I just ruined our record. We had like six or seven episodes with no asparagus pee mentioned. But uh, we're back on track, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It had to come up again. All right. I think that's it for today. So we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.